And we are live, quote unquote. This is the Sports Ethos Washington Wizards podcast with the CNC show. As always, we have Karth and we have myself, Corbin, in the building. This is a crossover episode uh, because both going to be on the Sports Ethos Wizards feed and on the Round Ball Ramble feed because we are talking trades. That's right. This is the Washington Wizards trade guide. I can. There's no one more qualified to speak on the Wizards and what is going to happen on the trade market than the host of this show, Carthen. So I'm going to introduce you, sir. How are you here today? I'm doing pretty good dealing with this D.C. weather. One day is 65, next day is 32. Yeah, my D.C. folks know what I'm talking about. D.C. folks indeed know what it is. I'm in Arizona. We do not deal with that, so... No idea, but I definitely do feel your pain. Hope that you recover well, sir. Hopefully this uh, hot and heavy trade talk will get it going here for you because we're going to break down the Wizards as they stand with just over a week before the trade deadline. In fact, as this drops, this is less than a week. I did not know what day it was until today. Jeez. Um, We had some big news with Kyrie Irving requesting a trade. Madness there. Uh, which just a totally different scenario. We're not going to talk about it too much because he's not coming to the Washington Wizards. But we do have to go into what the Wizards will be doing or will not be doing here during this trade deadline season. So that brings us to our first question, which is, what is your outlook on this team pre-deadline? I think the best way to evaluate what a team might do, whether they're buyers, sellers, or the like, is to see what they've looked like up to this point. Now, obviously, we've had this show, we kind of go into what the Wizards are, what they look like. But let's get your feedback, Carthen, onto where they stand on a vibe check, not even just a record check. We know they're on a 500 team, but what do you think they are? Where do you think they are going into the deadline? I think they're in purgatory, to be completely honest with you. I mean, this five-game winning streak they just uh, snapped tonight versus uh, the Portland Trailblazers had – people thinking that, okay, maybe there is something here to be had because they've been playing really good ball. And even up to the first half, at the end of the first half of this game that just uh, finished, they were playing really good ball. But um, to me, it's kind of purgatory looking at the teams that are slightly ahead of them and the way that they've been playing recently. It's, it's kind of Dr. Jackal, Mr. Hyde type of a team. One minute, they uh, they look like they're a championship contending team, and the next minute, they look like they belong in the sweepstakes for the number one overall pick. It's, it's that up and down when it comes to what the Wizards are doing right now. So I'd say my outlook is, is they're in purgatory. That's a good description. I definitely think they are in that area. Um, like you said, up and down. 500 team, they have a below, around right around 500 record, right around 500 record with their big three. So it's not like they're demonstrably better without. I just, I, I, I don't know. You know, it's one of those things where it's like, what should they do? We know what they probably will do, you know, whether they're buyers or sellers, because we know how Tommy Shepard has operated. His teams have been aggressively mid- you know, this is what they look like. And 
for better or worse, this is how they've operated, which is right around that 500 line. Once the play-in tournament came, you could call them a play-in tournament team, but that's what they are, right? There's, there's not this super high-level top-end talent that's going to lead the way. Bradley Beal's your best player, which unfortunately he is right now. You know, you're settling for, you know, eighth and ninth seed. It feels like the Charlotte Hornets back with Kemba Walker, and there's no disrespect to either Kemba Walker or Bradley Beal, they're not that superstar player. They're a star player, and that's fine. But you build around superstars, and multiple stars can make a team great. I think a star can make a team good, but it depends on the pieces around them. And from what we've seen so far, the Wizards are just there. So I'm definitely with you on that. Um, yeah, I, mean, I, just, I, huh? I was going to say, I will say when it comes to the team, it's kind of hard to, uh, and part of the reason why I said it in purgatory is because they've never really fully played together like most teams in the league are to really know what they are. They constantly have people injured that are in their normal rotation, which means they need to put other people that's not in the normal rotation into the game, which allows them to not get the cohesiveness that you have a lot of other teams already have. So it makes it a little bit difficult to judge where they are and what they should be and what they should be doing. Because like I said, up to a week, week and a half ago, I'd have been saying we need to sell and get some young and get some pieces to be able to put around whoever we're going to consider to be our main three or just our main folks. We know Christophe Porzingis wants to be here. Bradley Bill signed his deal, so we ought to assume he wants to still be here. Kyle Kuzma is up in the air on what he wanted to do. So the with all that being said, it just makes things so much more difficult. It certainly does. It kind of makes it hard to evaluate where they are. We can only go off of the track record of what we've seen. And we've seen Tommy Shepard make moves, and this is kind of where they are, you know? So I guess with that being the case, do you look at the Wizards more as buyers or sellers in this market? I'll be honest with you. Understanding from hearing what has been said as far as what Ted Leonsis is about and what Tommy Shepard has said pre-trade deadline, I honestly think that they will be buyers. Okay. There we go. I guess if that's the case, it kind of takes us right on to our next question. If there's buyers, if there are buyers and are looking to acquire some more talent to, you know, solidify their position in the Eastern Conference race, right? Somebody has to go. So that goes to our next question, Carthen, which is, which players are most likely on the move? Well, number one player is going to be Will Barton. He's kind of already asked to be moved um, because he doesn't like where he sits in the rotation here in Washington. He doesn't feel like his talents are being utilized to the best of their abilities. Although he has admitted that this year has not been statistically a very good year for him in Washington. And he said that there are several different reasons why that is, but he's not here to make excuses. He's just had his stats are just not where they are known to be. He said he would like to play on a contending team, 
um, if possible. And that makes him the number one person that I see moved. The second person that the second person that I see being moved is Kendrick Nunn. I really think that they are showcasing him. I think he's getting the burn that he's getting right now because they're showcasing him. And it's it's something that I, I, I've learned not uh, here recently that when you have a traded player to a team that has that's been on the team less than two uh, less than two months, they can only be traded by themselves personnel wise, but they also can be traded with other non person uh, assets. So cash consideration, draft picks. Uh, trade exceptions, things like that. I'm sorry, I had myself muted there. I agree with that, but I also feel like if, I guess this is just a pushback in the other direction, not that those two aren't going to be traded, but there has to be more on the list because you're not going to get, I don't care how you package together, both guys, both Kendrick Nunn and Will Barn have had rough seasons, right? Kendrick Nunn's bounced back so far in a few games in Washington, but that's what, how many games? Five? If that, you know, if that, yeah, no, it's, it's, yeah. Um, for the wizards, I'm sorry. It's, it's, yeah. Four, uh, three games, four games rather. So if we're going four games of Kendrick, Nunn looking decent in the wizards uniform, uh, per his stats on, um, basketball reference, we're getting 12, three and two, not bad. Right. Also 20 minutes per game. So you have to look at him as a player who you think, Hey, is going to get 20 minutes a game and be good offensively because he's undersized on the defensive side of the floor isn't a super great distributor for a point guard. It's really just out there to get buckets. So you have to want that player. Same Will Barton. Will Barton is not the same type of player, but he's definitely a more of a microwave offensive player who's not been a microwave player this season for Washington. You know, like you said, you look at Barton's numbers, the guy is shooting 37% from the field. His field goal percentage matches his three-point percentage, which normally 37% from three is not too bad, but he's doing it on just under three threes a game or just over three threes a game. So it's not enough quantity to even justify that. It's good threes on low volume. You know, Rui Hachimura had good three-point percentage on low volume. Just Correct. Saying, you know, and he's averaging less than catching none in more games. In 38 games of the Wizards, seven points, two and a half rebounds, two and a half assists for 13-year-old swingman who's going to be a free agent of the year. You know what I mean? So... I feel like if the Wizards are going to make a move that's going to make them better, it has to be more than those two players being moved because that's not going to get you anything. You're not going to find a lot of teams, maybe individually, some interest, but not enough to get, you know, a prime asset back. These these guys are neither young prospects or, you know, playoff battle-tested veterans. I mean, I guess you could say Will Barton, depending on how you feel about his Denver experience in Portland, but uh, that's just not enough, you know? No, I understand exactly what you're saying. And to be honest with you, I think everybody's available outside of Bradley Bill, Kristoff, and probably Kyle Kuzma. But definitely Bradley Bill and Kristoff are um, are not going to be moved. But everybody else, I think, is available for the right price. They're not going to give up a key contributor that they really need for a one-year rental or a a rotational-type player. It's going to have to really make sense that um, we're giving up these assets 
for this player and this player is going to be here a while and this play it's got to be like a Christoph Porzingis type of move where they're giving up some real assets or quote unquote assets to get a actual good player and Tommy's known to pull off some some trades that nobody saw coming so I, I would definitely say most likely Kristoff and Bradley Bill are the only people that I don't see available. I was about to say, that goes to my next question. Which players are untradeable or untouchable? But since you've already answered it, I'll ask you this. Why? I mean, obviously you think they should invest in those players. Is that a smart decision in, in your opinion? Um, what do you think about why those two are protected? Well, Bradley Bill's protected because he has his no trade clause. Oh, I'm sorry. Bradley yeah. Bill's out the way off the top. Yeah, this is really about uh, Kyle Kuzma and Kristaps. Well, Kristaps, I think, is a definite off the table. One, he's made it very well known that he wants to be here and plans on staying, whether it's through his uh, current deal of 36 mil or opting out and signing a long-term extension with the Wizards, but he loves it here. He lo- His family loves it here. His uh, The way that the Wizards are playing with him and through him and different things like that, he loves all of that, which has also gotten him to the point where he is a borderline all-star back here where he wasn't that way in Dallas. So because he's utilized in the way that he would like to be utilized, he wants to be able to stay here. So because you got a player who is who is singing the team's praise, telling the world that he wants to be here, the Wizards are known that when you have players like that that are of that caliber, they tend to reward you with a, a long-term extension. So that's why I think Christophe Przingis is uh, off the table. Kyle Kuzma, like I said, he's up in the air. I think Tommy is having a real one-on-one with him to figure out where his head really is because the Wizards aren't going to keep him past the trade deadline if they know that they don't have a shot at retaining him past the, the trade deadline. Everybody, no matter no matter how older young you are and whatever deficiencies you have, if you understand basketball and follow it, you know that Kyle Kuzma is going to opt out of his deal at the end of the year. Tommy Shepard has even made mention of it in um, interviews that he's done. Kyle Kuzma is going to opt out. The question is, when he opts out, what is he most likely to do? He's a CAA uh, client. We know the New York Knicks uh, previous CEO is the general manager of the New York Knicks. He gets a lot of CAA players to come play for him in New York. They pay them very well in New York. And Kyle Kuzma wants to play in a big market where he can utilize his market of playing basketball to help funnel his fashion uh uh, stuff. So, Kyle Kuzma's up in the air. That is true. I mean, what do you think he's leaning towards? I mean, obviously, you would think that I guess is a vote of confidence that he 
you know, evoke confidence in him possibly staying by the recent move of Rui Hachimura by Tommy Shepard, but could it also be maybe a sense of delusion and thinking, okay, we're clearing the way for you, but he still could leave them like a jilted lover type situation. Like, look at everything I did for you. And then it's like, well, I still don't want you. So I'm out. Right. I mean, I think that that's still the case. Um, they cleared Rui Hachimura out, but they had no choice. Rui, Rui requested a trade. He made it public that he did it. So because he made it public, Tommy's known that Tommy's known to be that guy that you make it public, you don't want to be here, we get rid of you. And he took the best deal he could get, which was more or less about the draft assets than it was about player acquisition. And to be honest with you, the team has played better since Rui has been traded than when he was on the team. Denny Avdia has been playing lights out since he acquired Rui Hachimura's minutes. And he's shooting a lot better. His rhythm is a lot better because he's getting more playing time on the floor. So... It's, it's a better uh, player. Someone who's probably more comfortable where he's at. Are we referring to Denny? Yes. Yeah, Denny's more comfortable in what he's doing now. Um, yeah. So, um, Tommy has also mentioned that he wanted to give Denny the opportunity to get those minutes to see what, so that the team could see what they had in Denny. So that they can see if he's someone that they want to invest long term in. Rui Hakimura, not only were the team not able, because the team wasn't able to get a long term deal with him in the offseason, it, it sounds to me that Rui threw a temper tantrum. Y'all don't want to sign me long term. So I don't want to be here. And they got rid of him. And there you go. I mean, he gambled and lost on that. All right, so we kind of covered so far. Players, you know, most likely be moved. Players that are untradeable and untouchable. So now it's time for trade talk. Let's get the actual trade you have that you are interested in sharing. Um, the one that you've seen that you have approved. What's when you look at you like, you know what? I think this works for the Washington and maybe works for the other team too. Not really our priority here on the Sports Ethos Washington Wizards show, but maybe there's a trade out there that you think works well for both. I'm going to throw out one here for you. Um, and I've just been – I saw this on The Athletic, and I'm, I'm, just, I'm just on it. So I'm going to throw it at you live and just get your reaction. Three okay. trade. Wizards will get Tobias Harris, Evan Fournier, Tyrese Maxey, and uh, um, they would get their protected 2023 first-round pick back from the Knicks. Okay. And they would get Will Barton and Vernon Carey Jr., and the 76ers would get Bradley Beal. What do you think about that? That doesn't even make sense for the Knicks. Honestly, that's not one that works really well in the Knicks' favor. I was just happy to see a, a, a three-team trade come to pass. I think for the Knicks, what the only thing 
they get is to get off of Evan Fournier's contract, which includes an $18.9 million salary for next season and a $19 million team option for 24-2025. So you get off that money, you give the Knicks more flexibility in free agency, that's going to cost you. It just is what it is. Right now you're paying a guy $18.9 million in salary to not play. Right. I don't like that move, personally. I'm a Vernon Curry. I'm a Vernon Curry fan. So because I'm a Vernon Curry fan, I would love to see them pick someone else, maybe a Isaiah Todd instead of Vernon Curry. If you just want a body, I'll give you a body and they make about the same amount of money. (laughs) I see what you're saying. You have a personal favorite there. However, the issue that comes to play with this trade is okay, we give up Bradley Bill, we get our first back. We get Tobias Harris. Yep, solid player. Fournier, and you said quickly. Tyrese Maxey. I mean, Tyrese Maxey. And Tyrese is nice. Yeah, Tyrese is nice. I could. I could work with that. However, you would have to find out a before you make a move like that is those players that are coming back someone that a Kyle Kuzma or B Christoph Porzingis wants to play with and build around be built around with because If not, then you have the potential to have a fallout down at the end of the year where you go from, hold on. Mm-hmm. No, I get, I get where you're coming from. You go from having a solid three to no three. And it can send you into a full-fledged rebuild without expecting to go into a full-fledged rebuild. But if you go into a full-fledged rebuild, what better player than to build around than a Tyrese Maxey who's been amazing for Philadelphia and might be what the Woods have done because when's the last time the Woods have gone to rebuild, period? We had to go back at least a solid decade. And they do, however. By accident. I mean, even that wasn't on purpose. That was probably by accident, that rebuild they did when they got John Wall. That team was probably no, that, complete. complete. That, that team was, they did rebuild on purpose. Because that was the end of the, that was the end of the uh, Gilbert Arenas, um, Karan Butler, and Antoine Jameson era. That's almost fifteen years ago, Carthen. Yes, that's a long time. To it is in a team's in a team's life cycle. You've gone off the you've gone off the Gilbert Arenas era. You've gone off but, the John Wall era. You had a Russell Westbrook minute. You're in but the I mean, if you really, really the Bradley Bill era, I guess it is. If you really think about it, they have kind of quote, quote unquote rebuilt several times because they, 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 they retooled. They didn't rebuild, Carson. They retooled. Yeah, but your definition of retool and my definition of retool can be two totally different definitions. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm gonna let. And, I'm sorry. And, I'm fired up about this. Okay, if you rebuild you get a solid foundation with which to say we have rebuilt our team. 
if you retool, you tinker here. Okay, Russell Westbrook, okay, gone. Okay, let's try Spencer Dinwiddie, okay, gone. Okay, let's try Monte Morris, okay, Christoph Przingis, okay, let's like, like, that's tinkering. So, that's let, me, let me ask you this What yes. is your definition of rebuild? Tear it down to the roots. Everything goes. You start fresh. You start so, with younger players. You start with prospects. Bradley Beal has been the tentpole centerpiece of this for the last 10 six, years. Seven, yeah, 10 years. But I'm saying with John Wall, he's been there 10 years. I want to say he's been the centerpiece the last seven years, right? The past five, four or five. Okay, that's fine. If you're going to rebuild, I mean, John Wall wasn't even the same John Wall after 2017, 2018, right? Correct. So, yeah, I'd say. Yeah, like six, five, so six, seven, let me let me ask you this question. Based off of what we just talked about, so John Wall, uh, Bradley Bill has been more or less the face of the franchise for the past five years. Mm-hmm. Based off of your definition of rebuild, you tear it down. Absolutely, T- tear it down means what? Everyone goes. I mean, so you so with goes, so with that so with that being said. You take Bradley Bill out of the equation. Who else is on the team today that was on the team in 2017-18 season that is still here outside of Bradley Bill? Well, that's that. I see, okay, I see what you're saying. It's been a totally different so, roster. But so, Bradley Beal is still the thorough line. Also, you are hitching your wagon to a mainstay from the last era. That's like saying, it, okay, we have we have Gilbert Arenas, we have Antoine James with Karam Butler. We're going to make everyone else off the team be gone, but now we're keeping Crom Butler. And not only are we keeping Crom Butler, we're putting him on a long-term deal with a no-trade contract. That's not rebuilding. That's no, see, but but, didn't work but what you're talking about is you're talking about a guy who, you, who, if you did what you're talking about, he'd have been well into his 30s at the time. That would have ended up happening. We're still talking about a guy who is not, Karam Butler, when they, when they, when they, uh, when they, when they broke, the when they blew up the team, Karam Butler was in his thirties. Antoine Jameson was in his thirties. He was, he was Gilbert Arenas, I think, was twenty nine. When Karam Butler was traded from Washington Dallas, he was twenty nine. Okay, so how old is Bradley Bill? Twenty seven. No, Bradley Bill is not twenty seven. I know that for a fact. Bradley, Bradley Bill will Bill turn twenty eight this year. Nope, he's 29 already. Bradley Beal is 29 already. This is no spring chicken. He turns 30 this year, this in the summer. Okay. The exact same thing. A guy who you are putting your tent pole around, who's a solid player, but he's not that type of guy. 30 years old, three-time All-Star, that's solid. I'm sorry, Karan Bella was a two-time All-Star. <laughs> all-rookie? I'm sorry, Karan Bella was all-rookie too. I'm just saying, like, like, Karan Butler saying. never. Karan Butler was never a uh, All NBA player. Karan Butler, I'm sorry. Karan Butler was never All NBA. Um, Bradley Beal was only on there once, one time. If one time how many play? Was- how many players make All NBA? And in terms of that, how many new players make All NBA lists? Karan Every Butler- year for All NBA, you normally have at least a third to two thirds of the list. Uh, I mean, you have a you have at least at a, at the most a third of the list change names. 
other than that, the same names are there every year. So we're talking each we're, we're talking about uh, all NBA is 15 players. So if you got 15 players that make all NBA and at least 10 of them are there every year, you have maybe five and that's pushing it. It's normally about three that change names every year since Bradley Bill has been in the league. Hell, since they say within the past 15 years, there may have been a, a, a maximum of three names that rotate off of that list every yes, year. One time, but one time. One time for a superstar? One time? That, that, how, so, how many, how many teams? How many teams? How many teams? in the NBA has all NBA players. It sure, it sure ain't half of them. That's, and uh, I'm saying, if you, if you, how many teams got all NBA players that would have, that have, how many play, how many teams have all NBA players on their roster that have made it at least once in their career? It ain't half of them. Okay, I'm sorry, and that's and that's all. So you you can't you you gotta look at you gotta look at it that not every team are the Miamis, the Lakers, the Boston Celtics, the ones that all of these all NBA players want to go play for these these franchises that they all want to go play for. Not every one of these teams are there, and there are some of those guys who were never all NBA players until they got to those teams. I'm, I, I'm and and made it because they were playing on a on a team that had a better record, and their statistics may not be as good as they were when they played for the other team, but because they were known as this really good ball player, and now they're playing on a winning team, they get awarded for leaving the better the the worst team to go to good. the better team. I'm not even saying that. I get everything you're arguing, and and you make valid point. I'm saying for one time, if you a superstar player, you could have great players toiling away for years on bad teams. Now, I'm not saying big market teams. I'm saying bad teams. Allen Iverson was on a Philadelphia team. You can't name one star player that played alongside Allen Iverson when he was toiling away. You know what I mean? He had Chris Webber passed his prime. That don't count. Jerry Stackhouse, before he was there, when we talk about 2001 to 2006, you had no one for him. He was no, putting up and making those numbers and, and putting them up well. Bradley Beal ain't doing that. Karan but Butler, he has. But okay, no, no. Bradley, Bradley Beal has done that. I'd say the one year he got the All NBA team was the one year you could say that because thirty-one points in 2020-21. Before that, thirty points, not bad. Before that, the, his highest was twenty-five. So okay, 16, 17, 16, 20, 23, 22, 25, 30, 31, 23, 24. Now I remind you. The dude is 29 going on 30. You're paying him 43 this year, 46 next year, 50 the year after that, 53 the year after that, and 57 in 2026, 2027. The guy is going to be 35, and he's going to pick up that player option. When right now, Almost I'm, 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 I'm going to say, the, the, it, looking at Karan Butler, I'm not saying that this, it just organically came that I'm, com- I'm comparing this, but Karan Butler, three-year peak for the Wizards from 2006 to 2009. 20 points, 6.8 rebounds, 4.3 assists. Bradley Beal this season, 22, 3, and 5. Not a whole lot different. Oh, this year is not a whole lot different, but also this last year, year is... Last year wasn't that good either. Do we not remember last year? 
Oh, I remember last I'm not, year. I'm not the Wizards expert you are, but I watched the Wizards. I had a lot of ex-Lakers on that team. I was invested, and Bradley Beal was not that guy. All I'm nope. trying to say is to have one good, abnormally high-scoring year where Russell Westbrook was just spoon-feeding you shots, I might add. But and the year before Russell Westbrook everything. got there, he dropped 30, and, and he didn't have nobody spoon-feeding spoon feeding him. Now, I don't want to sit up here and make it seem like – Oh no, his team was horrible. They didn't have their record was horrible. Much better the next but, year, but he got all on all NBA. He was yeah, that's because they made that's because they made the playoffs. That was the only reason he made all NBA. But I mean, I I don't want it to be seen as I'm this great Bradley Bill. He's the greatest person because that's far from the truth. I, I've made it known that Bradley Bill has not played up to the level of the contract that he currently. Uh, inherited when he signed that deal. He hasn't played anywhere close to 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 that. However, we're talking about blowing it up versus we're talking about a definition between uh of rebuilding. Rebuild and retool. And re- so rebuilding doesn't on. rebuilding doesn't have to mean that you have to get rid of all of your good players and be the the league's worst NBA team in order to rebuild. Rebuilding means you get rid of people and get new people. And by de- by that definition, outside of Bradley Bill, you can say that they have rebuilt and they are better now than they were when they did break it, blow everything up a few years ago. I, they, I mean, I disagree. When I, I say this, Carthen, I, I, we're having I know we're, we're hashing out right now. I love it because when you rebuild. You bottom out. That's normally what happens when you build, and then you are in play for a top prospect in the draft that will build you up. If you are retooling, and that's what this is because your main centerpiece is the same guy you've had for the last five years, who, by the way, he's the centerpiece now, but he's actually been with you the last 10 years because he was <laughs> with you alongside John Wall, and that got you the second round, what, one time? So all this time, Along with John Wall, and then move John Wall, now Bradley Bill, we've seen this dance before. It wasn't fun the first time. And now we are saying more money long-term. If you are rebuilding, you are bottoming out. You're coming back with a Scoot Henderson. You're coming back with the Victor Wibanyama. Come back but with you, like but you're not guaranteed to get those players. Uh, with it being, this option. isn't the, this you isn't the NFL. No, I know, but you, you have better You could be the that. worst team in the NBA and still end up with the fourth pick, which means you're going to end up with somebody that's not one of the top prospects. The you could be just better. The fourth is a hell of a lot better than the 15th pick, which I've been the last seven years. No, we've had the nine, ninth or 10th pick uh, where, the last where, several where, years. And where, and where are those guys? Exactly. Either they're either on the team benched or uh, on another team. <laughs> I mean, or on another team. But that's again, that 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 can't be that. That's not an in, indictment of our place that we've picked. That's an indictment of. That's our indictment of our horrible drafting. Because I mean, we we've had the discussion. Of we've had the discussion of the Wizards draft picks in the past about who they've drafted and how they haven't re-signed a draft pick since uh, a, a non-top a non-top three. Otto Porter. He was our last one we re-signed. Yeah. But non-top three, we hadn't re-signed another a draft pick since Andre Blatch. So. That that's an indictment of drafting 
more than it is draft placement. Because if you want to, if you want to be technical on it, you got all these people that have been drafted in the top whatever of the draft. But then you go back and look at the five, last five years, the MVP of the league. Show me one who was in the top five. Show me one that was in the top ten because you won't because they have been um, they, they've been Giannis Antetokounmpo and they've been Jokic. Gian, Giannis was drafted either the 13th or 15th pick of his draft. And then, five years? Yeah. James Harden. Drafted third. Okay, I'm sorry. La- then it'd be last four, but that was five years ago. That I mean, on the technicality, you got me. Yeah, on the technicality, you got me. But 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 my point is, Giannis was drafted out of 13th or 15th in his respective draft, and Jokic was drafted 41 or 47. I can't remember exactly which number it is in his respective draft. So we're talking about a guy who was. We're talking about two guys that. Either depending on which uh, spot Giannis was picked in, we're talking about two guys in the past four years who have won at league MVP that were not lottery picks. Yes, but okay. So you, it's not about always where you draft. It's about how well you are at drafting player of uh, finding the talent, as well as it is how well you are at developing the talent. And those are two totally different things. We could sit up here and give Victor uh, Wambiana this year, and he ends up being a bust because we are that horrible at player development. Nah, that that's not gonna happen. Nah, nah. But see, you can't say. But you drafted people, Bradley people said, third. You drafted Bradley Beal. I get that. First, you put yourself in a better situation to. I mean, if you have a better situation to pick the right player, if you take the one with the least, uh, what's it called? The, you're but the if you, you yes. but you have to also, you knew, you knew. boom. John but you Wall- have to also look at where we, where we placed those years. We weren't the worst team in the league when we got the number one overall picks. Either one or, or the number three in both of the two years that we got the number three picks. We were not the worst team in the league during those years. Well, let me check. I'm I th- if sure. I remember correctly. I'm pretty sure y'all were. If I remember correctly, we were, we were never the worst team in the league. I can promise you that one. But if I'm not mistaken, one of those years, I think the year we got John Wall, we were seventh. We were the seventh worst team in the league and won the lottery. When we got uh, Bradley Bill, I think we were like fifth or sixth and, and, and won, won the lottery to get into the top three and ended up third. And it was some, something like that again so, uh, the year we got Otto Porter. We were never in, bottom in 20, we, in 29, 2010, you drafted John Wall 2011? Okay, I believe so. I'll, I'll go up to when Bradley Beals definitely drafted. 26 and 56, 23 and 59, 20 and 46, 29 and 53. Boom. So those are the okay. four years where y'all were clearly one of the worst. The worst y'all ever were when you got John Wall, y'all were, um, you got drafted 2009, 2010. Y'all were 19 and 63. Okay. After that, 44 wins. 46, 41, 49, 43, 32, 25, 34, 35, 24. Now, the 24 wins is now, and then, of course, you have that 25 win one. But Okay. 
but you got to, again, look at the rosters that were built around them versus the rosters that we had prior to. It's not just about those players that is a, that's the key. And then, like I said, you got to look at it this way. We took John Wall. We turned John Wall into Kyle Kuzma and a couple other guys. And, and, and you look at the, 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 the domino effect it took just from that one trade. Because with trading away John Wall, we ended up going to get Spencer Dinwiddie. We turned around and turned Spencer Dinwiddie into a into a twenty seven twenty six year old former All Star. There's no kid that's in the draft right now that you can guarantee is going to make a, is going to make an All Star appearance. Not even Victor. Not even Scoot. None of them. You can't guarantee any of them are going to ever be an All Star. But we know that we got a guy from from Dallas that that has been an All Star in the NBA and is a and is a known ball player. Known score. He, his his one gripe in the NBA has been his health, and we turned we turned Spencer Dinwiddie into Christoph Porzingis. We turned Bradley Beal into Russell Westbrook, which had a um, triple double season, and we went to the playoffs that year for a dude that didn't even play at all that season. He didn't play at all for for uh, Houston that year, but we got a triple double guy out of out of that deal, and then you turn around and trade him for now. What we have is Kyle Kuzma, who has been balling out this year. There's no guarantee that any rookie that's in the that's in the draft that we could have a chance at getting is going to put up the numbers Kyle Kuzma's putting up. So to say the definition of rebuild is you got to go with a rookie coming out of the draft and get rid of all of your good players, that that to me right there is not a rebuild necessarily. That That's a rebuild, but it's not the true definition of a rebuild. True definition of a rebuild is to blow your team up and then build your team up to be better than they were. And right now, they are better than what they were. Uh, at what cost? Yeah. What are the oh, Carson? What cost? Tell me what cost it was. You said that they're going to be sellers, and their top two players to get to upgrade their roster is Will Barton and flipping. And no, flipping I didn't, I didn't say they were going to be sellers. I said that they're I mean, most no, likely going to be buyers. buyers. I'm sorry. What are you buying? What in the world are you buying? This again, is the of mid. Again, it's all about what. They're getting back in return because I guarantee you, listen to what I'm saying. It depends on what they're getting back in return, because if they are getting something of of substance back, you'll see a Denny Avdia or and a Daniel Gafford or somebody along those lines get put into a trade to, to go wherever because of the fact that they're getting something back of substance. They're not going to give up okay. key players for someone's trash i understand that but but, but carton it's not like the wizards actually have treasure on their bench gafford and Avi is gonna put what, what type of player let's just try a little thing here what's the best possible player you think would actually say yep we'll take denny and we'll take gafford back for uh, like the nets aren't taking that for Kyrie. that's like a poopoo platter i'm just saying i'm just i'm giving a star that's available the bulls aren't taking that for zach levine no like, but again, I don't know a team that's going to look at that and go, yeah, we want that. Get, but give, but again, but again, Kyle Kuzma is uh, Kyle Kuzma technically Kyle is Kuzma. Uh, exactly. But again, like I told, like I said to you before, I said the only two that I believe that are untouchable right now is Bradley Beal 
and Christoph Porzingis. I said Kyle Kuzma is somebody that they want to keep, and they've made that very well known that Kyle Kuzma is not available unless you come and knock their socks off. You got to come to them with something big and major in order to be able to get Kyle Kuzma off of the Wizards because they 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 intend on resigning him if he wants to if he wants to stay. They intend on resigning him, but that doesn't mean that he's not available. Kyle Kuzma is our biggest trade asset. That's without being without being said. He is our biggest trade asset because he has been known to say that he his preference is to play in a big market or for a winning organization. Now, he also has come out and said that he really likes playing in Washington because he likes his role. He likes how they how they utilize him and allow him to play to his maximum potential. So knowing that this player is is willing to go and and would wouldn't mind going if somebody came to them with a big blockbuster type trade they would strongly consider taking that trade for Kyle Kuzma if it is going to benefit the Wizards and put them in a better position than they are currently but as they currently stand they've come out and said that they would like to keep him and it's going to take a lot to get him off of the Washington Wizards roster. So why would I say that, oh, we're going to trade Kyle Kuzma when they've made it perfectly clear that that's not their, that that's strongly not their intention. So to answer your, so as far as the question is concerned that we've been talking about, (laughs) what players do I see as definitely players to be moved? Those are two players that I definitely see that are available and most likely will be moved. The rest of the team can go as well. They can put way more of those people in there. Johnny Davis could end up being traded. I, I, again, I don't know. I mean, they invested the 10th pick in him. I don't know if they've given up on him yet or not. I don't know if they see him as someone that could turn into another CJ McCullough. Because if you go back and look at CJ McCullough's uh, stats, his first two years in the league with Portland, you would have called him a bust too. So I, mean, I see what you're saying. I see what you're so, saying. So again, it's, I hear what you're saying and I understand where you're coming from, but you are taking what you're saying in the logic of stereotypical NBA definition. Yes, that's what that's what And I don't take things in stereotypical anything because you have to broaden your horizon and and look at the entire picture of what's gone on in order to say okay Here's the de- here's the true definition of whatever it is. Taking away what the NBA pundits and all those other people say, taking away what they classify certain things are. If this is what it truly means, it is. did 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 this truly happen? Well, that's and in order to and to me, rebuilding and retooling is two totally different things. Retooling is one or two players. Retooling is re- retooling is saying 
we feel we are one or two players away from being a contending team or being a championship contending team. That's a retool. I trade away player A and player B to get player A back. And it makes us go from being a five seed to a two seed. That's more of a retool. A rebuild is I tear it down and I build it back up. Tearing it down, if you want to go into the, the definition of rebuild when it comes to construction, in order, unless you want to have to build a building up to new code, you can rebuild an entire building as long as you leave one wall up and you can build it to the old building's uh, uh, specifications and not have to bring everything up in the house to current day code. So you still rebuilt the building. You just left a part of the building up so that you didn't have to go and completely tear it down and put up stuff that may or may not hold up better than the original stuff. So instead of instead of taking a building who that was built with bricks and 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 masonry and so on and so forth, you completely tear that building down and now you have to build everything with plywood, OSB, gusset plates, and, and stuff like that that are all made out of wood and thin pieces of, of sheet metal. And now you're gonna tell me that that house is stronger or better than the house that you could have built had you left up that one piece of wall. So it it it's it's where you are able to use words to utilize them to how you want them to be construed. And I, yeah. it, it, it's a, it's a play on words. I get where you're coming from. I, did, I We're going to have a conversation about this in another time as far as draft philosophy and rebuilding philosophy. Cause I disagree. I get what you're saying. And in a way I get it. You're right. I guess they rebuilt around Bradley Beal. What I'm trying to say is they need to rebuild again without him because this is about to have cursed on here. The stuff ain't working. That's what I mean. The stuff ain't working. This is so, the stuff ain't working. That's, so that's let, me, let me ask you this. Looking at the current Wizards roster as it stands. Yes. You're telling me that there, if you took Bradley Bill off of this team, mm-hmm. there is no one on this team worth rebuilding around. Not a one. Nope. I and I would disagree at, so much. And see, I, I there's I, only I one believe, in no, my mind. There's only one that's worth rebuilding around. No, I, all these guys have shown in different stops already that they're not that guy. I mean, I mean, Kyle Kuzma is entering his prime. You still need someone to set up shots for him. He's not a guy you can play and run your whole offense through. He's not that type of guy. Christoph he's not the guy I'm talking about. Nope. Christoph Porzingis, we've seen this in New York. We saw Sadals. He can't play well with the co-star that's better than him. He definitely can't play as the main guy. He's not even available enough to be that. But you can't even – but see – Both of those guys. But see, this year he has been available. And that's that's the thing. Everybody, you, you hold you you hold everybody you you hold people accountable for the things that they did in the past. When you don't pay attention to the future, I mean the present. You don't pay attention to the present, and when you don't pay attention to the present, that's when you end up losing what you could potentially have for your future because everybody wants to live in the past. Let's call it for what it is. He's a good but not Kyle, great player. That's what he is. Christoph Porzingis is a great player. Around him, you are in what? No, he's a great player in Washington, Carthen. Because not another. But that's all that matters. No, if that's all. That's all. That's all that matters because you want to sit up here. The the reality of it is, 
there's only like five players that you can put pretty much anywhere and say, this guy is that dude. I'd say LeBron, the, the, the LeBrons of the, of the league. The, 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 Tatum, those guys would fit anywhere. I, um, I don't agree. Jason Tatum, maybe? Jalen Brown. No. Now you're not looking again. You just said, speaking of what they've done lately and not just their past, Jalen Brown this season is averaging 27 points per game, seven rebounds. He is balling in, he is balling like that in Boston under Boston's system. He would have more freedom out of Boston. Jalen Brown did not play like that under um, the dude from Baylor. He in didn't college, play like that under the dude from Baylor. In college, he, he wasn't the player that he was. I'm not talking him. about college. Jalen Brown didn't go to Baylor. The dude that's now the GM of the Boston Celtics was the head coach of Baylor before he became the head coach he's of. Year, dude. He's only in. He, Jalen Brown is in his what fourth year, fifth year in the league. Jalen Brown. Like Jalen Brown oh. been in the NBA a decade. Bradley Beal's been in oh. the NBA a decade. You got faith in him. Jalen Brown's been in the NBA six years, or this is seventh year. Every year he's gotten better. Well, he took a setback last year. Six points per game, um, well, 6, 14, 13, 20, 24, 23, 27. So with Jalen Brown, like I was saying, he is doing what he's doing in this type of system. So everything is about fit. You can be the best player in the world but it still has to be about fit, i.e. LeBron James. LeBron James is considered one of the greatest players ever. And even with a guy like him with the Lakers that you that you all currently have, y'all have a worse record than the Wizards do. And it's not because LeBron James is a horrible player. It's because the fit around him is not what is needed for him to him and a team with him on it to succeed. So everything is about fit. It's about who you put around people. It's about how you build things to make things work out to his in its favor. That's why I said to you, Jalen Brown is doing what he's doing because the coaching staff has built a system and the front office has built a team that allows them to be able to thrive at what they do best. Not everybody is not everybody is destined to be great everywhere just because in their very first spot they're putting up all NBA type numbers. That doesn't mean that they're going that they could be traded today and he's going to go somewhere else and still put up these type of numbers. Because if he don't have the supporting cast like they do in Boston, if he doesn't have the the particular co-star like he does in Jalen Brown, it doesn't mean that he's going to put up those type of numbers. So Brown is a star. Like Brown isn't your Bradley Beal. I think Brown could do this independent. Brown could do more with more. Like like Bradley Beal needs less to do. Bradley Beal needs less responsibility. You can give a guy like Jalen Brown more. He can take on more. He's a better defender. He's been able to create his own shot. He's somebody who's grown as a player. I get what you're saying, but Jalen Brown is not a system player. Make no mistake about it. Yes, Boston makes him look good, but he is coming to his own on his own. 
I'm not That's disputing right. that he's not a good player. Wow. That's not what we're disputing. No, what, what we're talking player. about here is he is put into a position with the supporting cast he has around him to be able to thrive the way that he is thriving. It's no different than any of these other star players that have gone on to other places and have not been the guy that they were before. And then now everybody's screaming, oh, he peaked, he this, he that. He can't, he's not doing what he did before because, oh, he's not that good. And this, this, that, and the other. And it, that's quite the contrary. The, the, the reality of it is, is the two rosters are two totally different rosters. NBA, the basketball is a team sport when it all boils down to it. If they, Bradley Bill, the year before, um, the year before Russell Westbrook got to Washington, Bradley Bill was number one in possessions of being double teamed. He was number one in possessions being guarded by the other team's best defender. Why? Because he didn't have any talent around him that would be able to keep them from doing what they were doing to help their team succeed and Washington not to succeed. He had nobody else around him. Like I said, when you when you got a team where you're starting your two-way players on your starting lineup when you're completely healthy, you don't have players around you. No matter how good you may be, you don't have those guys that can be in the corner, those dead, those dead eye corner three-point shooters like Boston has. You can't double team them because everybody on their team shoots is, is capable of shooting threes and they knock them down. Boston's number one in three-point percentage in the league for a reason because they knock down their threes. They take the most three-point shots in the league because they knock down their threes. But because of that, if you turn around and try to double-team Tatum or you try to double-team Brown, they dish the ball out to one of those other three guys or the, their other co-star on the, out on the perimeter, and they're knocking down the shots. Therefore, you can't double-team them. You can't play other you can't play other styles of defense against them because they have the talent around them that says if you do we're going to kill you with those guys because we're making you go into defenses where it is favorable to us because we can do that. I see what you're saying, man. I just don't. I don't know. I don't know. It's the, I, I, it is the very reason why your squad is not doing as well as they should. It's the very reason why your squad, you all you hear them talking about is we need shooters. The reason they need shooters is because LeBron would be able to thrive in a bet and in, in a better situation if he had knocked down shooters around him because they could not double team him and clog up the paint. Because they know that the guys that you have on the floor can't hit the three-point shot. So we're going to make y'all shoot the ball. You're not going to make them. We're going to rebound the ball. And then we're going to go down in on offense and make the shot. And we know that all we have to do is score 100 points against y'all. And we're going to beat you because you can't shoot. It's, it's, it's the logics of, it's logics of basketball and, and, and the logics of 
of scheme. You can't sit up there and do something that you're not good at. When you try to do things that you're not good at, you're going to fail. And if you put players in certain positions where they don't have the, what they need to succeed, they're going to fail. And that's all I'm saying. I'm not I'm not saying anybody isn't that good or any of that other stuff. I'm not saying that Jalen Brown is not that dude or any of that other stuff because Jalen Brown's a beast. I wanted them. I personally, I wanted Washington to trade Bradley bill for Jalen Brown when he was talking about going to Boston, because I knew that he would be comparable or better than Bradley bill because of his defensive prowess. But again, that doesn't mean that if they made that trade, that, Jalen Brown all of a sudden is going to start beasting out and doing way better than he did because he still had to come back to Washington and play with the same squad that Bradley Bill was playing with, which was not a good squad. Like I said, you could put LeBron James on the Wizards of three years ago and they're going to have a worse record than what they have now. When your starting point guard is Howell Neto, who can't even see the floor for the Cavaliers right now, and you're starting... and, and, and your starting small forward is is um, Matthews that played for Houston now, who was a two way guy for us. And our big man, I can't even remember who our big man was at the time. It might have been Thomas Bryan. It might have been, um, I think that was the year we were starting Alex Lynn and and. Uh, Robin Lopez and them at, at center and stuff like that. When you got a squad like that, you're not going to win. I don't care how good you are. You could be that 30-point-per-game scorer and your team still ain't doing squat. I get what you have to have, you got to have ball players around you, and that all goes back to what we talked about with drafting. And it all goes back to putting a roster around people that make them able to thrive. Like I said, Bradley Bill, if Bradley Bill, if if there was some way that Washington could trade for Russell Westbrook again without having to give up Kristoff or um, Brad or Kyle Kuzma, Washington would be a playoff squad because. Bradley Bill needs that type of dominant point guard. Somebody that teams fear coming downhill, which is what he's had his entire career when they both were healthy. Because John Wall, when he was healthy, he coming downhill. Teams are already scrambling to try to stop him, and then he dish it out to Bradley Bill where he is at his best at catch and shoot. Same thing happened with Russell Westbrook. A point guard that comes downhill that everybody respects when he comes downhill. They know they got to try to stop him. They got to pinch in to stop him, which leaves Bradley Bill wide open for him to do what he do best, catch and shoot. Bradley Bill's not the greatest dribbler. But if you if you know that about Bradley Bill, then you can't then then you don't hold him accountable for what they try to make him do because of the talent around him. If Russell Westbrook was still on the team, Bradley Bill wouldn't be getting the ball like he do now. He wouldn't be in clutch situations. He wouldn't be the one holding, holding the ball and dribbling. Russell Westbrook would have the ball. John Wall would have the ball. They would end up getting downhill, find Bradley Bill when the teams are scrambling, 
one pass straight to him or a swing pass that goes via somebody else to Bradley Bill for him to knock down the tray. <laughs> I don't know, man. Oh, excuse I, me. I, no, you're good. I need that because I feel like we – this is an interesting discussion. We've already gone over hour and change, and I'm no closer to being convinced, and I know I haven't convinced you either. I just feel like we – this ain't working. This ain't working right now for the Wizards. Where they what are right what now, the Wizards I have going on, I agree. I agree. It's not working as it currently stands at this current moment. The only one left I, to change is Bradley Beal. Carthen, you said yourself. Everyone else has been moved. He is the only one that's left of the of the group so that was there. I don't, I, I don't disagree with that. However, like I said, I would not be, I would not be against if he got moved. Never said that I would be against it. I know you did. However, what I'm saying is, if you take a look at even just two years ago, where they were two years ago versus where they are now, they rebuilt that team from what they had two years ago. What they had pre-Russell Westbrook, they're from a, from a two-year span, there is still only one player on that. I'm sorry, two players on that team from that current from that previous roster, and that's Gill and Bill. That's it. I I yeah I get it, but that um, then more needs to be done. You have that's a rebuild. You have rebuilt around one player. That rebuild is not working. Like, like you, I will admit this. You said a rebuild. You're right. Everyone else is going on, but Bradley Beal. But guess what? That did not work. Now you're rebuilding by Bradley Beal with Chris Porzingis as well as Kyle Kuzma potentially. No, no, I don't. Unless you're rebuilding around Chris Stouts, which I don't think is a good idea either. We can agree or disagree on that. But either way, Bradley Beal is still a central part of this, and you made sure of that by giving a tremendous contract of more player control on that contract than anybody else. So Bradley Beal is still the central figure of this rebuild. It's not Chris Porzingis' team. As long as Bradley Beal's on it, it will not be. It's now coming. And, I, and I agree a thousand percent with what you're so saying. If you are going to rebuild, he has to go because he holds the Wizards' future in his contract. I agree. I agree a thousand percent. But when I said about when we talked about rebuilding around someone else that's currently on the team, like I told you, the only person on this team that I would consider rebuilding around would be Christoph Porzingis. But you can't do that while Bradley Beal's on the squad. It's not going to happen. Correct. I agree. But my question that I had to you was, is there anybody on this current roster that you could see rebuilding around? And again, here's why I say that. Like I, we've all, like like we've said in 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 the past episodes, as well as Jerry West said when we heard him speak, fit matters. The current coach of the Washington Wizards is one of the principal architects of the team that has the two-time reigning MVP on it. That plays what position? Center. Their center plays the game in a similar, not completely, but similar fashion as the Wizards center. You can play 
through Kristoff, just like Denver plays through Jokic. Jokic is a better passer, but Kristoff is a better shooter. There are a lot of things that they Kristoff can pass, just not as good as Jokic. Is Kristoff? Am I going to sit there and say Kristoff is an MVP cal- caliber player? No, he is not on the same level as Jokic. But you can build a team around him to maximize his potential and the way that he plays. And you can put players around him that will make them better by playing with them. And it's happening at this current moment with the current Wizards roster. Okay. Well, then there's my next question. What is the ceiling of that team? Because the ceiling of that team is what we have right now. Yikes. The ceiling of the team they have right now isn't that great. However, that's where those moves that we haven't gotten to where we were going to, that we're going to talk about comes into play. When it all boils down to it, again, fit matters and scheme matters. You have to build your roster to the scheme that you're playing. We talked about earlier that the, the, they had a lineup out there tonight of Bill, Kendrick Nunn, Morris, no, not Morris, I'm sorry, DeLon Wright, Corey Kispert, and Christoph Porzingis. That's not the Wizards. That's not what they do best. That's not what's going to get them to be able to win. They are not a small ball team. You can't have three, you can't sit up there and have a small lineup with only two guys, with technically three guys that are really good shooters. Because if you're not knocking down shots and you have nobody in there that can rebound, you're not going to you're not doing anything. You're you're wasting away possessions. They were not a they were not more athletic than than uh, Portland was at that current moment, which when you got a small lineup like that, athleticism plays a big key because that 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 determines which seems bigger. And at that current moment, even though you got Christoph Porzingis at 7-3 on the floor, Corey Kispert isn't that athletic. And then after that, the next three guys that are on, uh, you got one guy that's six foot five, but he's not super athletic. He's just very good defensively. And then the other two guys are six three. So you got you went from being taking taking a having a advantage of playing big to then going super small with no athleticism and the other team takes advantage of the fact that you went super small with no athleticism so if you're going to be a big team which is what Washington is and when they're playing at their best that's what they are you have to build a team where you can stay at your best and what the Wizards don't have on their roster currently that they need to go out and get during this uh, trade deadline is another big Defensive, rebounding, athletic, big man. So that when D- Daniel Gafford or Christoph Porzingis needs to go out of the game, you're not putting in six, 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 seven, six, eight guys that takes away from the advantage that you currently that you have. You can then spread the minutes out between the power forward and the center spots between Daniel Gafford, that that, that other big man, Christoph, and Kyle Kuzma, which keeps you with at least two people on the floor at every given moment over 6'10". 
That's a lot of size. That's a lot of size. I will give you that. I'm going to say, we're going to have the, I'm going to put a pin in this one because I have a lot more talk about Chris Stop and whether or not he is the person to trade for. But, I mean, not the person to trade for, the person to build around. But that can honestly be its own show. And I, I think that's going to be a good idea for one. So we're going to go right on because we could argue about this for another hour and a half. We, it's it's, it's yeah. Friday over here. We could. And we have fun doing it. We love this stuff. But let's go into what you teased, the trades. Let's go into your, your – you said you had one trade specifically that you had outlined. Let's lay that out. Okay. So one person that I, I, I've been keeping my eye on, and I watched their roster, and – he is somebody that is, I know, on the block. He has an expiring contract. So trading for him not only would fill a need, but it will also give the Wizards the bird rights of him if they want to bring him back. So the deal that I have is not a big deal, but it's an effective deal. It kind of goes into the lines of when the Wizards traded for Daniel Gafford and Hutchison. That wasn't a really big deal, but it ended up being a big deal because of what Daniel Gafford became. And it's a coincidence because when we play against this particular team, him and Daniel Gafford go at it because they both are uber athletic dudes that he brings the best out of Daniel Gafford when they play against each other because he's somebody that can jump with Daniel Gafford. So... With all that being said, my trade that I have is the Washington Wizards trade Isaiah Todd and the 2028, which is it's the pick that I chose. But of course, we can we can debate on which second round pick we're going to use. But the 2028 pick swap with Orlando. Um. So Isaiah Todd and the 2028 pick swap with Orlando second round pick to the Charlotte Hornets for Nick Richards. Interesting. Interesting. I mean, that does Nick Richards has had a solid season in Charlotte. It's been a year from H.E. Duckable hockey sticks for Charlotte, but just in general, if we're looking at Nick Richards on his own, uh, the guy's been solid. I mean, this career, this season averaging eight points and five rebounds a game on um, 62% shooting and just under 20, 18 minutes of action. So he's been really solid, 25, uh, seven foot, seven foot four wingspan, not the greatest wingspan to height ratio there, but a solid above the rim athlete. I, I think it's nice. I think, I think that's a solid pick. And what would you be giving up again? Isaiah Todd and – a second round pick in 2028 is a pick swap with Orlando. And why does Charlotte take this deal? Charlotte takes this deal because they are very heavy on centers right now. They have a first round pick that they drafted in Williams, Mark Williams, that they drafted that they need to give minutes to. And he's been, when he has gotten minutes, he's played very well. And I think the last I, I saw, He's been playing a lot more here recently, uh, whereas Nick Richards have been getting less and less minutes because they are utilizing the fact that they are a team that's not playing well this year and allowing Mark Richards to get some much needed uh, experience out there with uh, on the court. And they're playing him more and they continue to play plum, plum, plumly. They continue to play plumly, 
But then Plumley's backup has been Mark Richard. I mean, not Mark Richards, Mark Williams. Mark Williams yeah. So, uh, like I said, Nick Richards is a expiring contract. Most likely, they're not bringing him back because of their current roster, and they don't need him. So, if you don't need him and you're able to get draft capital for him, I get what you mean. That's solid. I like. I not go ahead and and get the draft capital of a future second round pick for a guy that you're going to not give minutes to probably for the rest of the year and let him go at the end of the season. So you get you get a a young you get a young power forward that is getting better in the G League. His shot has been getting a lot better, but. At this current moment, in the way that we're constructed, he's not getting any time, and I can't foresee him get any real meaningful minutes with the Wizards throughout his entire four-year uh, contract that he signed with them. So because of that, it's kind of like what they did with us with Vernon Curry. They sent us Vernon Curry in that deal because they were trying to they they didn't see Vern, Vernon Curry getting any meaningful minutes anytime soon, if not ever. And we went on and took him as a part of that deal. I get you. I mean, it's that's a sol- It's a solid move. I still think, even the way you're describing it, guess what? That type of move you make as you're in the midst of a rebuild and you're looking at young guys that you want to add and you're like, hey, I can get a young player or a younger player that can help out the team. Um, that will be under contract for a little bit. I, you know what I mean? Like I don't, I don't know. But I, 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 I like it. Uh huh. I don't see it as a, as a, as a move you would make with a rebuild, because again, like like I've said, the Wizards are seventeen and six in the past twenty three games. Well, seventeen and seven now in the past twenty four games, and they're still in the playoff hunt. They're only as of before tonight's game. They were only three and a half games out of the sixth seed. So it's not like they're like out of the play, way out of the playoff race. They can make a couple key moves and end up catching Miami for that sixth seed. So it's not out of the realm of possibilities for them to go on a, another win streak like they were currently on. And all of a sudden now, they're in the thick of really the playoffs with only being three and a half games out of first place. I see what you're saying. So that's another reason why you say, oh, they're in purgatory because they can see the light at the end of the tunnel. It's not like there's no light at all, and and yet they're still trying to to be contender. I mean, they're still trying to be winners. They're not far off from being not even in the play-in, but being full-fledged in the playoffs. Okay. So, a it's move like this. Like, bolster your front court a little bit. Right. It's a booster to give you some more length and some more height in your second unit that you don't currently have. And having a player like him will allow them to play Daniel Gafford and Christoph Porzingis more minutes than 18 minutes a night because they have to end up pulling one of them so that they can replace the other one when the other one gets tired. So, yeah, they start the game off together, but 
they're very few and far in between after the initial front five come out that, that they end up playing together again. It might be they play together again at the start of the third quarter and then they're 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 the ones that are being moved in and out for each other. That way, if they bring in a guy like Richards, Richards will make it so that they can continue to play Daniel Gafford and uh, Christoph Porzingis together. And if Daniel Gafford gets into foul trouble, you don't have that big of a drop-off bringing in Nick Richards to stay in with Christoph Porzingis because now you're you're substituting a 6'11 guy, a 6'11 uber-athletic, defensive-minded, rebounding guy for a seven-foot defensive-minded, rebounding, uber-athletic guy, it keeps Christoph out of the from having to be a center. Yeah, banging that spot, be more of a stretch full stretch big. Right, and you still keep him being able to do the things that he does, and you still have the defensive presence that you had when Daniel Gafford was still in the game. And the the reality of it is, is that when Daniel Gafford and the last I heard. And this was probably two two or three games ago. When Daniel Gafford and Christoph Porzingis is on the floor together, they are a plus eighty eight. It's mm. pretty good. That's 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 pretty good. Can't argue that the numbers don't lie. I get you on that for sure. Well, Christoph doesn't have to be a defensive. He doesn't have to be the big defender. And the big man and try to play on the perimeter and be that pick and pop or pick and roll guy. And you do it all big man on the floor. He doesn't have to be all that. He can be what he, he can do what he does best. He's a great help defender at the basket. He's a great pick and roll and pick and pop four at six foot seven. And then you got another big man that's right there that can play in the paint so that you can be more of the af- the 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 more free flowing big man on the defensive end. Cause most of his blocks come from help. When he's the weak side defender and he comes over and blocks a shot with a guy going to the rim. That's what he does best. He's not a banger. I watched him. I can't. I, I want to say it was when we played Philadelphia. I, I want to say that. But when we played Philly, and B was, he was moving him around in the post like he was a, a, a broom mop. I mean, a mop handle. It was just like he was sweeping the floor. He, he, it was no effort because Christoph ain't that big. He might be tall, but he's skinny. But you're able to put somebody else in there to bang with Embiid. And then there's nobody on the other team that can stop Kristoff on the offense end. Because ain't nobody tall enough. Unless you put Embiid there. But then if you put Embiid there, then there's nobody to stop the big man that can play above the rim. So it puts him in a catch-22. Do you no, stop it? Oh, you have to pick which one you want to choose. The spacing or the inside play. Correct. Which sense. is what the Wizards was doing to... <laughs> This is what the Wizards were doing. Um, the, the Portland in the first half. I get that. And they stopped doing it in the second half when you see what happened. That's true. Can't argue with that. I, so, I, when they, so when they play like they did in the first half and play big, B, 
Because you got to think, our starting lineup, our, our starting front court, Scott Kuzma is 6'10", Christoph is 7'3", Daniel Gafford is 6'11". There's no other team in the NBA that has a starting front court bigger than Washington. The only team that was cl- the only team that was close to them was last year's Cleveland Cavaliers. But now that marketing is in in Utah, there's no team in the NBA that is is that front court is bigger than Washington. I mean, hey, size does matter. It helps with the rebounding. It helps with, you know, being a factor out there, being able to protect the basket. makes a lot generates a lot more easier scoring opportunities. So I get where you're coming from with that for sure. Um, again, I, I guess, and this would be for another show, just a long-term direction for the Wizards because I just don't know if, well, again, the fit around Chris Ops would be interesting, and we can talk better about how that would fit roster, you know, flexibility, all of that. Um, but for now, just to get to the last ep- the last question of this episode, I have to ask you, I guess we kind of talked about it, but I'm going to put it up here and, and, and just lay it out. Uh, what's your prediction for the Wizards? Are they an active team? Are they a reactive team? Or are they staying pat? I think they're going to be an active team. The one thing that Tommy Shepard has always preached since he's had the position is he's not afraid to take big swings. When you have a guy who says that, and his track record show that you got to believe when he says what he says. So I say that to say it would not surprise me if he made some big move that made absolutely no sense. And hindsight, he brings in some good vet that the other team doesn't want and he is able to utilize them in a way that makes them better than what they were being utilized before. Now, if you're going to ask me who that's going to be, your guess is as good as mine. (laughs) I like that. But I mean, there, there are players that are out there that are pretty good players. Could I see him figuring out a way to bring Bones Highland to Washington? It's been known out there that 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 uh, Denver is looking to move him. Yeah, there's some real beef on that end. They unfollow each other on Twitter. His Bones Highland sister and friends have gotten into it on social media with Jamal. It, it's been something different. Right, so... Would it be surprising that they bring him back to where he played basketball, where he played college ball at? Bones was there when, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Bones was there when um, when Wes Unsell was there. And if he wasn't, it won't be hard for Bones to pick up the offense or the defense because Wes Unsell was one of the main contributors to being to the architect of what Denver does. Yeah. So it would be a seamless transition for him. It would give us a young point guard that we could possibly build around. That's a good point guard. Um, I can see Washington 
trying to go and get James Wiseman. Golden State has been you you hear people you hear it out there them talking about looking to possibly move James Wiseman. He he has not been the player that they were hoping that he would be. Um they they there have been several mentions of all three of of the young guys of some sort between him, Kaminga, and Moody. I can see Bradley Bill pushing for Moody because of their ties to Bradley Bill's uh, AAU team. Um, That's a solid one. Yeah. I could see somehow, some way, them going after a player like Matisse Thibel because one of Washington's uh, big problems right now is defense. He's known to be a defensive stopper of multiple positions. And because of that, I can see them trying and and he's been known for several months now to be on the trading block. That Philly was trying to move him. So I can see that happening. That's another one that's possible. I definitely could could, could wrap my head around that for sure. Um, yeah, that wouldn't be hard for me to understand either. I, I think that's something that's possible. I, I mean, here's the thing. It's one of those things where, I don't know, I think they're going to be active. I just don't know what assets they're going to have that's really going to make them demonstrably better. You know what I mean? Uh, I do. You're, uh, yeah, you're trying to commit to these three guys that take up a huge part of your cap that all play a style that I don't even think, I mean, their record together is not super great anyway, you know, but you want to preserve that. If you're Tommy Shepard, I, I, that's the way he wants to go about it. Um, but you're not going to get much better than that because the pieces you have around them aren't others that are going to be interested by other teams. They're just solid pieces. DeLon Wright is a solid player. Monte Morris, a good system of ratio, but just a solid guy. None of those guys are like, you know what? I'm going to make your team better by trade. That's not going to happen. It's going to be moving lawn chairs in my opinion. So I think they'll be active, but I just don't know what that means, you know? Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, And like I said, (laughs) I'm not going to sit there and be like, oh, the Wizards got tons of assets because they don't. They, They have assets, but they don't. They have to figure out a way to get that 2023 either back from New York or get it so that they can convert it to unprotected so that they can have access to the picks subsequently after it. It's got to be one or the other. And if they're going to move Kyle Kuzma, it's going to have to be for somebody that can produce in ways that he can. And hold on. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they are going to have to do that. I just don't know if that person's out there to make that happen. What I can see kind of goes back to a a trade that you kind of mentioned that can kind of be kind of um, modified a little bit where Kyle Kuzma ends up in New York 
Washington does get that pick back from New York and somehow made where they're able to get uh, work it out where they end up getting someone like um, Tobias from Philadelphia because Philadelphia wants him and that money gone. And you can add if Tobias is on the on there. It's all about getting the other two teams to equal the money to the whatever the maximum team of the other team is. And you can turn around and utilize Evan Fournier and Kyle Kuzma and Will Barton that come up to a large sum of money and be able to utilize moving those three players around to kind of maneuver things where Philadelphia can get rid of um, Tobias's contract, which is what they want to do. Because I think that if Washington was able to, if they had to move Kyle Kuzma and replace him with Tobias Harris, it would not be laterally, but it would be close enough. Because Tobias offers better defensive flexibility than Kyle Kuzma. He doesn't shoot the ball or play make as well as Kyle Kuzma. But if they're able to get another player involved with him, like a Thibault or like a DeAnthony Melton, or they wouldn't be able to get Tyrese because Tyrese is way more valuable than what's presented. Yeah, that was being put out there for him. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. So something along those lines and then bringing in someone like a Nick Richards, I think would make losing Kyle Kuzma palatable. It wouldn't be the best feeling, but it'd be palatable. Because at the end of the day, the Wizards don't, like you said before, the Wizards don't even know if he is going to come back. If they don't know if he's going to come back, then you can get something back in return that brings a level of toughness and defensive grittiness to the team that the team needs. That's fair. That makes sense. I, I, I get where you're coming from with it. I think it's I think it's interesting. That's for sure. I think that again, you're you it, it, it feels like there's nuance there in terms of moving around the launchers to make it happen, but it definitely feels like that's just what it'll be doing. You know? But I get where that is and I mean that's where that's where the team is. So not a whole lot left to kind of parse through on that. It's just a matter of you want them to, I, I want there to be a clear, I want there to be a bold new direction of, okay, we're going to make things different. And I don't see that happening here, you know, and I, I don't think the long-term direction is going to be good for that because where you draft and who you attract and how, what is the ceiling for these guys? And do they make you demonstrably better? I, I just don't see it, but that's just me, you know, but at the same time, I mean, I can say this, um, it's definitely going to be some fireworks to look at for sure. You know, it definitely is. And like I said, the past two years, Tommy Shepard has made a trade 
that nobody saw coming. I see something like that happening again. Okay. It's not going to be on the same level as a Christoph Porzingis. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's going to be a substantially smaller level deal. But it's going to be big enough that everybody's going to be like, wow, I didn't see that one coming. I didn't see him. I didn't see this team moving that person. And let alone Washington having the assets to get said person. That's what you're saying. That's what you're saying. Yeah, that's definitely going to be something that, I mean, if it comes out of left field and it's surprising and it works, then I'm with it. You know, uh, it just has to remain, remains to be seen what that looks like. And, and it's going to be a big uh, gamble of a move. It's not going to be something like, wow, they moved that person, and I don't know why. It's going to be more or less like, wow, they moved that person, and Washington went and got that person, because, and they're always hurt. I don't understand why they got said person, because they're always hurt. Washington has always been really good medically with dealing with players and injuries and all that other stuff. If they have if they were not good at anything else, they've always been good at dealing with player injuries and making sure that they stay healthy. I see what you mean. I mean, hey, that's something to be proud of for sure. You know, if you're going to have anything that you can hang your head on, I, I mean, I don't know. Especially, I mean, I don't – well, here's the thing, though. We, you say that, right? Mm-hmm. But that's not been the case. Like they've 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 dealt very much with health stuff. No, they deal with health stuff. Every team deals with health stuff. But as far as them taking care of players and making sure that they are in a position to be able to stay on the court. Like for instance, like I said, Christoph Porzingis this year has missed fewer games this year than he has in almost his entire career. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Bradley Bill has been having nagging injuries here and there, but it's not something that a, a which name staff can stop from happening. But when he does get injured, when he has gotten injured, he's come back sooner than they said he would because of the rehab and all that other stuff that, that they do with him to be able to get him back to being able to go out there. Same thing happened with DeLon Wright. DeLon Wright was supposed to be out for another month before he came back. But because of the regiments that they have with the medical staff and the sports science staff, they're able to maximize their treatment to get them back on the court quicker than what was expected of them. Okay, that makes sense. So basically, despite the injuries, they're still able to do their best to get those guys at least back in some resemblance of tip-top shape or at least back enough to play sooner than expected. So they're really good at responding to injury, not exactly preventing it or responding right. to it. Okay, I mean, at least it's better than like the Charlotte Hornets. So I give you that. But wow. Listen, folks, this has been almost two hours of team roster construction debate. I want to say at certain points, um, didn't have a whole lot of fake trades in this one. Cause honestly, let's be real. We already said it. We already know where the wins are probably going to go. There's not a whole lot of, of shuffling you can really do, you know, at the end of the day, 
this is more or less the roster that they're wed with. I think that's not great. Carthen doesn't think it's great either, but is willing to defend it enough. And I think I made for a fun show. And it's going to make for some fun future shows because uh, we'll be having this debate here for shows to come. But for today, that's a wrap. I kind of want to throw it to Carthen, sir. It has been a pleasure as always to have this uh, entertaining, stimulating conversation with you, sir. Where can the folks find you to potentially have their own debate? You can find me on Twitter at Carthen NBA. I'm there all the time. That's your best bet to be able to reach me. We can talk anything you want to talk about when it comes to Wizards basketball, basketball in general. I love to have conversations. I love to interact with anybody. As you can see, like me and Corbin have, we have very healthy debates. And if you got something that you want to debate about, I'm more than willing to have a healthy adult debate with anybody. You can also find me on Sports Ethos Wizards. You can look up there. I'm normally the one that's posting on uh, on that Twitter feed. So if you send something there, it'll come to me as well. And I will have no problems with uh, having a conversation with you there as well. We enjoy it. We definitely promote it, appreciate it, and everything else like that. So if you got something you want to talk about, let's talk. If you got something you want us to talk about on the show, please DM us. That's the best way because then you know we're not going to miss it. We love to sit up there and have discussions about some things that we may not even have thought about having a discussion about. But if you want to hear it, we'll put it in the show. So you can reach you can reach me at either one of those places. That's the truth. He's not lying. We will. You name it. We got another um, fun mailbag coming up. We had some really good interaction last time for Carson on that. I'm excited to get some a new batch of questions to throw and try to sump our wits as expert. Let's just kidding. That's not what the goal is to do, but just have some fun with it. So definitely make sure to do that because it definitely makes us better. Um, being able to interact with others makes it better, healthy discourse, good debate, great conversation. That's what this is all about at the end of the day. Basketball, right? That's what we like talking about. So definitely make sure to check Carthen out there. Listen, if y'all want to follow me, y'all can do so on Twitter at CorbinNBA. Again, if you're so inclined, on Twitter at CorbinNBA. Also on Instagram, same thing. Definitely appreciate, much like Carthen, just good conversation. Being able to go in on how we feel about um about players, teams, strategy, all of that. You saw what we did. Me and Carthen are tight, and we disagree fundamentally on several different things when it comes to the building of this team, and yet it's still good to have this back and forth and and, and try to understand viewpoints or not and try to get your point across. But either way, I think at the end of the day, when you're trying to have good conversation on hoops, it's nothing better than that. Like, we, we spent, what, almost two hours on a Friday night late on Carthen's side talking Wizards basketball. No, we we both of us know damn well they only got three. I'm sorry for that, but both of us know very well that they only got a whole lot of moves to make, and yet we found two hours to talk about the entire Wizards. Like, that type of stuff is what we do. So definitely make sure to check us out there on Sports Ethos as well. Have a lot of great stuff, not just us, but just in general. So go on Twitter at Sports Ethos online, sportsethos.com. That's S-P-O-R-T-S-E-T-H-O-S, everything there. But Listen, y'all, it's been a blast. It's been a long one. I hope y'all enjoy this. For Carthen, for myself, we are Frosty. Y'all stay Frosty. And as always, go Wizards. <laughs> <laughs>